Hey everyone, welcome to Good Wolf Radio. It's Jerry Scarlato, founder and fitness coach of Thrivology in Alexandria, Kentucky. Today we will wrap up our conversation on the natural laws of health and fitness. Thus far, we have gone through, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine laws. Over the last two episodes, we went over, went over four laws in the previous episode and then five laws in the episode before that. So make sure that you go back and review those. I'm not going to review those today because I want to make sure that we have time to review the last five of our series. So remember, these are basically the sum of what we have learned thus far. This podcast was launched nine weeks ago today as we're recording this. So we've had eight weeks of content. This is the ninth week of recording that we're doing. So what I've done is gone and combed over the previous eight weeks of content, pulled out all of the natural laws. In other words, the bits of information that we can all use at all times in our lives in order to help us move forward. That's what makes a natural law a natural law as opposed to a what's called a positive law, which is just a law of a society or a state that just tells us to do something. This is a natural law. These are applicable to all humans at all times. So, so far we haven't even talked about really exercise or nutrition or anything along those lines. Everything we've really been talking about has been based either around identity, obstacles, motivation, or mindsets, something to that degree. And that's why, that's because, this is insanely important, that's because the most important thing when you're starting your health and fitness journey is understanding that your identity will get in the way. And if you don't start to shift your identity and your mindset, then you are going to have a very challenging time making health and fitness a regular part of your life. This is so easily overlooked and so often overlooked because we always look at the thing. What's the thing I'm going to do? What's the diet I'm going to do? What's the exercise program I'm going to start? What's the whatever, the hack that I'm going to incorporate? We don't think about the <laughs> this thing, the, the thing that literally, literally controls all of this. You can have the perfect exercise program, but if your mind's not aligned to it and your identity is telling you that you can't make the changes that you are going to, to make, or you keep running into obstacles and you quit as soon as you run into them, then it's, it's just going to be a challenging time. So unless you confront that fact that your mind, your identity is going to, is going to slap you in the face along the way, it's going to be a challenging journey if it's going to be a journey at all. I don't say that in a pointy finger kind of way. We're all human beings. We are all, we all have run into the symptoms of human being a human. And so we, we all bode well from understanding these laws and by following them. So, with that being said, today we will start to get into some natural laws that are based around nutrition and exercise. So law number nine states that your health is dyed by the color of your habits. This is a twist on what 
the Roman emperor Marcus Aurelius stated, the soul is dyed by the color of your thoughts. In the same way, your health is dyed by the color of your habits. So we haven't done a series on habits yet, but we did talk about in the Showing Up series what habits are, a little bit about what habits are and how they're formed, how they're formed over time. Um, and the kind of habits that you have and the habits that you develop over time, those habits stain your health. In other words, your health outcomes are mostly dictated by the habits that you incorporate during a lifetime. Now, granted, those habits can and do change over time. Some of us have looser habits as teenagers and 20-somethings, and then we start to straighten our habits up, if you will, as we get older, but some of us still also hang on to some loose habits along the way. Eventually, some of us make those healthy changes, make those changes that be help us become more empowering, and those changes do help us become a different kind of person. So those shifts can happen over time. It's not like just because you had some the habit of eating Oreos for breakfast from the ages of 15 to 20 doesn't mean that you can't change your health outcomes as you move forward. Your health outcomes can be immediate and they can be chronic or long-term, if you will. But nonetheless, the habits that you have on a regular basis will determine the health outcomes as you move forward and especially in your later years. So you can always make changes to your habits, no matter your age, no matter your current health outcomes, no matter the any chronic diseases that you have, you can always make changes to improve those things. And in changing those healthy habits will change those current health outcomes that you have may also change the prolonged health outcomes that will come down the road based on those health, uh, based on those changes. So this idea is wrapped around what we talked about in the why we age series, which was just this previous series before this week. Uh, we talked about genetics versus epigenetics without digging too deep into the weeds. Genetics essentially are the code that you're born with. Epigenetics are the things that control the code and tell it what to do. So while it may be true that you are born with a gene, as I am, that increases your likelihood of developing Alzheimer's as you get older, the habits that you incorporate throughout life, which affect your epigenetics, and your epigenetics are what tell your genes what to do, those habits will dictate whether or not that actually happens. So while that gene is there, what happens over here with your epigenetics or epi, epi, which literally means on top of genes, those are the things that control whether or not a gene is quote unquote turned on or off and it tells it what to do, when to do and how to do it. The things that control your epigenetics are your behaviors in your environment and your behaviors in your environment, your environment is not your habits, but your behaviors that's your habits. Based on those habits, based on those behaviors will dictate what happens with your epigenetics, which can dictate what happens with your genetics, your underlying genetics. So this is the bulk of it over on this end. Your, the bulk of what your health outcomes will be are based on what happens in the epigenetic 
area of your being that is dictated primarily by, by your behaviors and by your environment. Your behaviors are the habits that we're talking about. Your health is dyed by the color of your habits. And if your habits are more on the unhealthy side, then it's more likely that you're going to potentially develop chronic diseases based on those habits. If your habits are on the other side of the continuum that support you in becoming your best version of yourself, then it's more likely that you will reduce the risk of developing those chronic diseases. Understand that, of course, it's never, ever, 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 yes or no. It's never, if, if anybody ever tells you that this redu or eliminates your risk of developing a disease, that is, it's, that is not true. Of course, you can do everything, quote unquote, right, if you will. There are plenty of anecdotes out there of people who have lived very quality, quote unquote, healthy lives, ate really well, exercised regularly, and died of a heart attack. Like, th that's out there. So this is not to say that any of this eliminates your risk of any of these things happening. The question is, how much can you reduce it? How much can you affect it? You can affect it significantly, and it is affected by the color of your habits. The habits that you develop over time, those are the things that will dictate those outcomes in your life down the road. Well, currently, presently, and down the road. So what are some of those things? Law number 10, movement makes us human, so move often. And the movement happens, movement happens, movement matters series, excuse me. We talked about three kinds of movement. We talked about play, we talked about exercise, and we talked about neat. There is more to movement than just exercise. Play, of course, is another form of movement. Play is just recreational things that we do for entertainment that we enjoy to do, but there still are bodies moving. And so we're still getting quote unquote exercise to a degree, if you will, but it may not be formed as exercise. Exercise is purposeful for the sake of improving your health. And then NEAT stands for non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Thermogenesis simply means burning of, of energy. So it's it's non-activity exercise that burns energy, which is literally almost everything else that is not exercise. So it's everything you do throughout the day, whether that's fidgeting and moving your fingers and toes, or whether that's getting up from here and walking over to there, or whether that's doing the laundry or cutting the grass. That's neat. It all counts. It's all very important. Movement is what makes us not the only thing, but is it a very big thing that makes us humans? And here's how. We talked about in that series the evolution of humankind. And there are three basic evolutionary things that make us human, make us who we are. One is being a biped. Biped literally just means being able to walk on two legs. There are many other things that walk on two legs in the, the, the former fashion that we do. So it's one of the things that makes us human. We've developed the capacity to walk on two legs because it is very efficient. We can efficiently walk or run long distances. We can sprint if we want, not very fast relative to most things in the animal kingdom, but we can sprint if we want, but we can walk very long distances very efficiently. If you watch a monkey try and walk on two legs, 
They can walk on two legs for a very short period of time, and it is very inefficient. Um, so uh, bipedalism. Number two, walking upright. Literally walking in a standing upright position with the hips, the hips stacked under the shoulders and the knees fully extended and the hips extended. So uh, that ability is very important because it allows basically our legs to act as springs, if you will. Again, thinking about a monkey, a monkey cannot extend its hips fully, whereas a human being can extend their hips and their knees fully, allowing the leg to act as a spring, allowing us to be upright, allows us to spring forward. Um, that allows us to easily spring over logs if they get in our way, it allows us to duck under things very easily. We can still do some climbing up trees and things like that. I know these aren't things that we don't normally do in our lives nowadays, which is a little sad if you ask my personal opinion. Um, but nonetheless, these are the things that we needed to do in order to live life even just probably 10,000 years ago, 20,000 years ago. So um, anyway, so bipedalism, upright, and the ability to cool our bodies also makes us human beings. Um, if we were meant to just sit around, we, didn't, we wouldn't need to cool our bodies because we don't get hot by sitting around. We get hot by being up and moving and being active. And things like sweating um, and things like being upright so that the sun doesn't beat down on as much of our body, those things allow us to stay cooler. Sweating, not any other animals do the way that we do. So sweating cools our bodies. When we move often, we need to sweat more we need to cool our bodies more. That it is in the moving that the sweatness develops, if you will. So movement makes us human. Moving often is very important. Not only exercise. Yes, exercise is definitely imperative. Um, I don't want to say imperative. You can not exercise and just move regularly. Make sure you build regular movement into your day and you can still be very, a very healthy human being. Exercise just takes it to another capability, if you will. But movement, regular movement throughout the day cannot be overstated. It is who we are, and we should get up and we should move often. That's law number 10. Law number 11. All calories are the same, but all calories are not equal. So this was in both the calories... Um, burning calorie series and the counting calories series. We talked about a number of these uh, different parts. So with this law in particular, all calories are the same, but all calories are not equal. One of the things that we talked about in those series were the thermic effect of food. Our bodies, we, are on, we can only burn energy three different ways. We do it through our resting metabolic rate. That's essentially your metabolism. It's the energy that you burn at rest. That is the majority of your energy burned throughout the day. We do it through movement or through physical activity. We just talked about that. That's the next step of our, that's the next biggest portion of our energy burn throughout the day. And then thermic effect of food is the last one. That's about 10% of your daily burn throughout the day. So the thermic effect of food is the amount of calories that your body burns whenever you eat something and different nutrients burn at different rates. In other words, something with mostly protein will burn 
differently than something with mostly carbs. Protein has the highest thermic effect, if you will. It, I believe it is 70% of the calories you actually end up ingesting. I'm sorry. You burn 30% of the calories of protein when you eat them. You burn 5 to 10% of carbohydrates when you eat them. And you burn 0 to 5% of fats when you eat them. So different macro uh, different foods with different macronutrients in them will burn, quote unquote, burn differently based on what they have. If it's something has more protein in it, if you eat something with 100 calories of protein, you will a- actually end up ingesting or utilizing 70 calories of it. Whereas if you eat something with 100 calories of fat, you may use 100% or you may use, you may end up using 95%. So while in a strict vacuum all calories are the same meaning yes a calorie is a calorie is a calorie is a calorie all calories are not equal when you eat a calorie of protein it's not like eating a calorie of carbs or eating a calorie of fat so that's an important thing to remember whenever you're trying to make changes to your nutrition that's why The next law is very important to remember. The next law is law number 12. Food quality is more important than food quality. I'm sorry, food quantity. Food quality is more important than food quantity. So most of us, not most of us, a lot of us, whenever we get started on nutrition, we we get fixated on calories. Calories, what what are the calories that I'm taking in? It is nearly impossible to actually know the calories that your body is taking in, like actually assimilating, if you will. That's partly because of what we said before, the thermic effect of food. All calories are the same, but all calories are not equal. 100 calories of protein is not the same as 100 calories of fat because you will use more, you will assimilate more of 100 calories of fat than of protein. Food quality is more important than food quantity because in the same vein of all calories are not equal, the more processed a food is, the more of the food you're going to absorb, the more of the food you're going to use. So if you eat a raw chicken breast, which sounds disgusting by the way, but (laughs) if you eat a raw chicken breast, You're not going to use a lot of it because it's raw and your body can't break it down very well. Whereas if you cook that chicken breast very to well done, your body can use a lot more of it because you have extracted the nutrients. In the same way, if you eat, say, broccoli, you won't use a lot of the calories. But if you eat a cracker made of broccoli, then you will ingest a lot more of those calories and that's because although that broccoli maybe cauliflower is a better example let's use that because we actually have crackers and pizza crust made of cauliflower so let's back up if you eat whole cauliflower raw cauliflower you won't utilize a lot of those nutrient oh there's not a lot for you to extract there because it's raw your body can't utilize a lot of it 
On the other end, if you break it down, you grind it up, you process it, you mix in a whole bunch of other crap, and you put a pizza crust on the other end of it, which are still tasty, don't get me wrong, because I had one last night. Nonetheless, <laughs> if you put a pizza crust on the other end of it, you will be able to utilize a lot more of those calories because your body doesn't have to do a whole lot of breaking down. It's already been processed. It's already, they've already done the job for you. That basically is anything in a box. Anything you find in a box has already been processed for you. Your body doesn't have to do a whole lot of the work. And so when you eat it, your body utilizes a lot of it. Your body ingests a lot of it. And therefore, your body ends up storing a lot more of it, any of it that's left over that you didn't burn throughout the day. So that's important to understand. That's why for most people, most of the time, I'd say for all people, all of the time, food quality is more important than food quantity. Eventually, you can start to pay attention to food quantity if you'd like. But again, that is kind of starting getting to the nuance of things. Um, so if you start to shift from eating Franken foods, which I believe that it's something along the lines of like 70% of most Americans diet are ultra processed foods. If you make that shift from Franken foods, in other words, foods that have been processed for you, so you don't have to ingest or your body doesn't have to digest them and it just has to store them and you shift toward less processed foods, all foods are processed. It's just a matter of how much. If you shift towards more whole, less processed foods, that shift alone can be enough. It, it probably will naturally reduce your calorie intake because number one, the more whole a food is, the more it has to be processed, the less your body will actually absorb. And number two, as you've probably noticed, anytime you've tried to eat just chicken and broccoli, you just can't eat as much of it. Like that's just the case. You might be able to eat a bag of potato chips, but to try and eat a bag of broccoli, like good luck. You're not going to feel very well if you do, and you, you just can't do it. Like it's kind of self-limiting <laughs> to a degree, which is a good thing. So if you can make that shift and be more concerned about shifting the quality of your food and not necessarily the quantity of your food, you will start to see a drastic shift in your own uh, health makeup, if you will. Okay, and that leads us to the last law that we're going to cover this time around. I look forward to doing this down the road. I'm sure, I'm certain, we will expand our natural laws. This is only 14 that, that we've been able to extrapolate from what we've covered over the last eight weeks. But the last law, law number 13, and I'm saying law 13 and said 14 before because there was a law zero in case you didn't listen to the first episode of this series. Law number 13 states that the environment plus behaviors plus culture plus beliefs equals our rate of aging. Take a quick drink. While you think about that, and of course, as always, shameless plug for Thrivology. Okay. Environment plus behaviors plus culture plus beliefs equals rate of aging. So one of the beliefs of our society is that aging is based primarily on your age, your chronological age, if you will. If you recall from the Why We Age series, there are four dimensions of aging. There is chronological aging, biological aging, psychological aging, and social aging. There's not just chronological age, but most of us 
only think in chronological age. So society tends to believe that once we get to the retirement age, 65 years old, then we're old and we become decrepit and then we get into a nursing home and then life is lonely and then we become dependent on people and then so on and so forth, which we do see that a lot. And that is based, that is because of these factors, our environment, our behaviors, our culture, and our own personal beliefs. It is those four main factors, not only, but those four main factors that, um, that affect our rate of aging. Environment includes the, talk, the things around you and what you live in. We talked about environmental toxins things like phthalates that are that we find in cosmetics that we find in self-care products that increase our race of, rate of aging because they are uh, they mimic the they mimic estrogen in our body which completely screws with the hormone balance of our body we talked about electromagnetic magnetic fields EMFs and how our EMF exposure has increased so much over the last 10 years because of all of the wireless crap that we have around us. Um, those EMFs, yes, they do come in contact with your body. If it is wireless and it is going floating through the air, it is coming in contact with your body. Our bodies have no clue what to do with this because wireless stuff has only been around for a couple decades. We've been around for a million years. There's, there's not a lot of time for our bodies to adapt to that. So, those EMFs affect our rate of aging. Uh, of aging. Um, they, they affect our heat shot protein production to some degree. I don't remember the exact mechanism, but nonetheless, essentially heat shot, heat shot protein, proteins uh, help us be able to recover from certain, am I saying that something? <laughs> Sorry, John is looking at me like, what are you doing right now? I don't know if I'm like. Mm -hmm. I think it's just the word. It is. Yeah heat shock proteins yeah sorry i was trying to say the word too fast words too fast heat shock proteins there we go i did feel like i was straining the word words heat shock proteins <laughs> if i say it real fast it sounds funny um the heat shock proteins that are created in our body to help reduce inflammation uh, those aren't able to be created fast enough in order to reduce the inflammation that is happening because of the EMS. I can't remember that exact mechanism. That is not a regular research finding, I will say, but it has been found to be true to some level. And if it's true at some level, then I'm happy enough to figure out ways to overcome it. Nonetheless, those are some environmental toxins that affect us. That's part of environment. Behaviors, we've already talked about habits and how our health is dyed by the color of our habits so we understand why that affects our rate of aging our culture i just said that society believes that it is our chronological age that affects that determines our aging and not necessarily anything else it, your chronological age does have something to do with it, it i would be remiss to say otherwise but we interviewed i interviewed Jan Tieferman, who's one of our members, she is 64 years old. And that girl, I promise you, can outtrain many 34-year-olds that I know. Probably a lot of 24-year-olds that I know. So um, 
she probably has the energy and the look and the vitality of 24, uh, a lot of 24 year olds as well. So nonetheless, while chronological age does play a part in it, your the environment that you surround yourself with regular, regularly and the behaviors that you have for most of your life, those mostly dictate what will happen to you over time. Um, the culture, our culture around us tells us that we need to be getting old as we get old, but it's up to us to decide to overlook that, which leads us to the last part of this equation, our personal beliefs. If we believe what, what society tells us and what our culture tells us, which in America, it tells us that we should get old as we get older, if that makes sense, if we believe that as well, we will most likely get old as we get older. I don't know if that makes sense, but nonetheless, if we believe that we should become decrepit and that we should start to break down and that all of these things should start to happen, then it's going to happen at a faster rate than if we believe otherwise. It's not that we're not going to get old and have aches and pains if we believe that we don't need to, but it will definitely slow the rate of that happening. So understanding all of those factors play a part in our rate of aging is extremely important. It is not one thing. It is not just a number. A number is just a guideline for you to understand how old you are, how long you've been on this earth. If you just, if you just use that as your guideline, then you can start to kick that number's rear end every time you see a, a higher one and go, well, guess what? I don't care how old I am. I don't care what the number is. I feel much younger than that. My, my biological age is much younger than that. My psychological age is much younger than that. My social age, I'm surrounding myself with people who are older than me and younger than me, older than me so that I can appreciate my youthfulness, younger than me so that I can look and I can go, oh, well, look, I can look at a younger person. I can still connect with them. I can still think younger. And if you hang out with the younger, not, not that you're going to be like chums with people who are 20 years younger than you, which isn't a old, bad thing necessarily, because I have plenty of friends who are 20 years older than me. But if you can do that, you will be more youthful. Like, don't only surround yourself with people like you. Surround yourself with people who are also not like you so that you can take on their youthfulness, if you will. So that's that. Those are the five laws that we are covering for today. Let's take a quick look at them, and then I'll tell you about how you can get these laws in your inbox. Law number nine. Your health is dyed by the color of your habits. We talked about genetics versus epigenetics in that sense and how it's your behaviors that really dictate how your, your health outcomes. Your genetics play a part, but it's about 25% of that part. Law number 10, movement makes us human, so move often. It is not only about exercise. Exercise is very important, but we need to move often. We need to move well, which is very important also. Law number 11, all calories are the same, but all calories are not equal. That's important to remember as you're making nutritional changes in your life, which leads us to law number 12. Food quality is more important than food quantity. It is much more important to shift away from frankenfoods and more toward whole food than it is to try and eat less of those frankenfoods because it's 
almost biologically, it's harder for you to eat less of those franken foods. And you're going to have much better health outcomes eating wholer foods. Wholer. I think that's a right word. Um, eating more whole foods than trying to eat less franken foods. Because, uh, well, to be totally honest, they are structured in such a way to keep you addicted to them. Uh, and then law 13, environment plus behaviors plus culture plus beliefs equals our rate of aging. All of those things play a factor. It is not your chronological age that matters. It does matter to a degree, but it does not matter as much as you think. Okay. With that being said, you can get a nice little PDF outline of these 14 laws that we went over so that you can have them to review. You can have them to look at anytime you start to convince yourself that you can't do something or that you should do something crazy like the keto diet. I mean, <laughs> sorry, <I'm laughs> someone's going to come after me. <laughs> Some crazy keto person's going to come after me for that. Anyway, keto diet's fine. Um, but nonetheless, you can get yourself a copy, a PDF copy of this by going to thrivology.us slash goodwolfradio. There will be a sign-up form there for you to be able to put your email in, get a copy of this sent to your email. Um, I look forward to developing more of these laws over time. We'll, we'll do one of these every so often so that we can look back and see what we've learned. Make sure you share these with your friends as well so that they can get these natural laws and they can start to be empowered to become their best self. Also, you can leave us up to a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review on any of the podcast platforms uh, where you're listening. That is super helpful for us um, in growing and in spreading this word. But until next time, my friends, here's to your success in health and fitness mastery.